Van Amps, thanks for uh, tuning in for another edition of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. So on this podcast, I interview Paul Galatro. So Paul is a former Navy submarine officer, and he transitioned to 3M back in 2014. And so in, on this podcast in particular, we spend a lot of time talking about what he's been up to He's a uh, he's got a technical background. He's got an engineering background, and so what he's been up to in the in the production and the manufacturing um, arena. So he sheds a ton of light on what it's like to lead teams and lead technical projects in a manufacturing facility. Um, also, since he's been at 3M, he's been promoted twice, and he's currently working as an operations manager, which is the next level down from the plant manager. So we dive into his career progression and really his overall thoughts on career management. So um, I'll make a link to Paul's LinkedIn profile in the show notes so you can go learn a little bit more about Paul and his background. If you're interested in Cameron Brooks, I'll also link to um, our website, Cameron-Brooks.com, as well as make a link to uh, PCS to Corporate America, a book in its fourth edition, written by Roger Cameron, co-authored by the president and CEO of Cameron Brooks, Chuck Alvarez, and our vice president, Joel Junker, literally 80 years worth of military officer recruiting experience packed in that book. So if you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, check us out on our website or check out, check out uh, PCS to Corporate America. And uh, without further ado, here's Paul Galatra. Hey, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, let's let's start with this. Why don't you share with everyone just a little bit about your military background? Kind of let us know what you did in the military before making your transition. So I was a, a submarine officer, um, commissioned in 2007, um, and I was on the uh, the Pasadena. I uh, did two deployments on her, um, and then from there I went into my shore tour, which was uh, uh, as a tactics instructor for the submarine uh, school. Um, basically training department head uh, officers as well as uh, uh, prepping the other ships for going out on their deployments as well. Okay, well, let's let's get into a little bit about your background. Um, no, sorry, that's not my question. Hang on, let me do this again. Um, what was my question? My question was, um, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so when you were... When you were thinking about making the transition, first of all, why did you why did you leave the Navy when you did, and then why did you come to the business world with your background, your technical background, being on a submarine, being trained in nuclear energy and nuclear power? You probably could have done a number of things, but why did you choose corporate America? Uh, so initially, um, I was getting out of the military mainly because you know I was starting to raise a family. Um, and I was getting to that point where I really wanted to see my girls grow up. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to, to go do something where I wasn't being deployed and things like that. I could spend more time with my family and, and kind of grow. Um, the reason I picked corporate America uh, was honestly, you know, I had the technical skills that I learned from the Navy. I had a lot of leadership skills that I learned um, also from the Navy. And, you know, when I was talking to a lot of my friends who had graduated at the same time as me from, from college and learning a little bit more about what they were doing and things like that, and I had a lot of friends in manufacturing, I saw it as a good fit because I had those technical skills um, and, and I knew that I could also really excel with my, the leadership skills. Um, there were a lot of people from, from my understanding, you know, talking with my friends and then actually coming out here, there was a lot of talent as far as technical skills and things like that, but having that combination of um, 
technical real life experience as well as leadership experience um, was was really going to allow me to, to excel in corporate America. What were you learning about? You mentioned manufacturing, and you know we we talk. You know, manufacturing is one of the foundations of of the business world. You know, at least in our country, and uh, you know we're starting to see a resurgence in manufacturing and the production of products here here nationally. Um, how did you know? What, what were you know before you ever stepped out of the military? What were your friends telling you specifically about manufacturing? Why did you know, like, hey, this this would be something that that I would probably be good at and something I would probably be interested in? I think the the biggest part was the the challenge. Um, it was very similar to the military in the fact that there was going to be a different challenge every day, right? So there was things that were very structured, right? You do you do PMs, you do all those types of things, but there was always something new. You know, with, with us, it was always the operational side in the military. Here, it's the customer, right? The customer wants a, a change of product or they want a new product or things like that. And trying to take that and, and make it manufacturing ready while at the same time continuing your current manufacturing and being able to still put out the same quality product. Um, so trying to have that balance. And, and like I said, it was just there was always something new. There was always a different challenge. And, and the more they told me about that, the more I realized that was that was something I wanted to be involved with. So when you transitioned, you went to 3M, which is uh, obviously a huge company and a very well-known company. Tell us a little bit about what your what what division of 3M you're in and what you, what you're working on. Or actually, let's back up. What division of 3M did you transition into when you when you got out of the military back in 2014? Uh, so I transitioned into uh, what they call Finsco, which is our film manufacturing um, uh, group. Uh, so basically, producing. Um, thin films for a variety of different applications uh, for internal use within the plant or within uh, 3M. Is it, well, you think, it, can you share with us a little bit of those applications or is that top secret stuff? You know, they're used in a variety of uh, electronics applications as well as okay. um, safety graphic, uh, detective, things like that. And are you, are you in the film, are you still in the thin film business or are you now doing something different? I know you've been promoted a couple of times since you've been at 3M. Right. So, so I'm currently in uh, what we call the personal safety division of within 3M, um, and that's within our uh, safety and graphics business group. Uh, so, where I currently am is in Aberdeen, uh, South Dakota, where we produce uh, a variety of different manu- or, uh, respiratory filters, um, furnace filters, um, things like that. And then, additionally, we also have a tape converting uh, operation here as well. Gotcha. So when you when you transitioned out, you started. Didn't you start down in the south or southeast, and you started in the Alabama area? Yes, there was a plant okay. in Decatur, Alabama, and that's where I started. Decatur, Alabama. So you, and you you came out and and your first job out of the military was a lean engineer, right? Correct. Tell us what a lean engineer does, because I think a lot of people hear the word lean, as at least as it relates to the business world, and they they have some ideas of what about what they think that might mean. What as a lean engineer, what were you doing straight from the Navy? So uh, my biggest thing was uh, looking at the we call ourselves lean engineers or lean process engineers. But the big thing is, in the past, before I'd gotten there, the lean engineers spent the majority of their time um, in the warehouse doing different things as far as inventory levels and and uh, first in first out and things like that. Um, I spent a lot of time actually on the lines um, trying to find ways to reduce waste on the actual manufacturing lines themselves. So Sometimes it was uh, more along the lines of um, uh, administrative things are the things that we could be doing that, you know, when we hand the product off from one side to another or from one area to another mm-hmm. that we're missing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times it was more technical 
along the lines of uh, actual processes and, and things like that. So, I mean, it was it was a pretty good variety of whatever it was that needed to be addressed that was causing waste. I basically learned a new school skill set if I had to in order to be able to do that. Now, were you were you lean or Six Sigma or maybe both qualified leaving the Navy? Did you already have that level of knowledge or some level of knowledge relative to lean? So I had done uh, some training um, at the uh, Groton, Connecticut. They had um, at the the shipyard there. They had a waterfront um, class. It was uh, I think two weeks, and it was the I want to say yellow belt um, certification. But it, it it wasn't really so much a certification. It's just a familiarization uh, training. So that was all I really had as far as that goes. Now that being said, the one thing that I did learn a lot about when I went into the lean role was that a lot of what I was doing in the submarine was lean. We just didn't call it lean. We didn't have the, whether you call them buzzwords or whatever, we didn't have the specific terminology, Kaizen's and things like that. But what we were doing essentially was lean. It was just the best way of doing it. If you were going to go back, this is such an important topic and one that I find myself talking a lot about. If you were going to go back to yourself in the Navy and say, hey, man, you should really be paying attention to what you guys, what, what you're up to right now, because you're actually going to use this in the business world. Like, what would you say to yourself? What were what were some of the things that you were involved with on the sub uh, that had, you know, direct direct connections to what you were doing in terms of process improvement in that first role? So I think one of the, the, the biggest things really is looking back, I, I draw a lot on our, our the different systems that we were using as far as whether it was auditing systems, maintenance systems, um, uh, performance, um, you know, all the different things that were going on that, were just inherent. It was just how you did things in the Navy, right? You had an expectation where you're going to put together a summary and a training plan for the next quarter for the for your CO on this, or you're going to do that. Those things that were laid out and that we were doing. And then when I when I came out into manufacturing, and a lot of those systems don't don't really exist very well as far as those. I don't want to say oversight, but those continuous monitoring, continuously looking for opportunities, continuously looking for gaps. Those systems weren't really as prevalent as they were in the Navy. So what I find myself doing a lot is putting myself back in my shoes, you know, however many years ago and thinking, okay, you know, what was I doing back then that, that was working and, and to, to solve an issue like this? And so I'm, I'm actually really finding myself using some of the systems that I use in the Navy and bring them into the civilian world. Um, the other big thing, too, is, you know, I find myself thinking back to a lot of the, the mentors that I had and a lot of the just leadership examples that I had back then. And, and really, I, if, if I were to go back and ask, it'd be, you know, pay more attention to those people that I, I did um, hold as my mentors and pay more attention to what they were doing. And, and so when I was now, I can even draw further, if that makes sense. Well, let me, ask, I want to ask about both of those things. First question, why do you think, you know, why do you think some of the systems that you're referencing that you were, that you were accountable to in the Navy, why do they not exist in, you know, kind of out in, in the, in the manufacturing plan and, you know, why is it, shouldn't they exist or is that an unrealistic expectation? Um, you know, and, and some, when I look back at some of the systems, uh, you know, in the Navy, they, they don't necessarily directly correlate, right? They're, they were more in-depth than what we would need in the manufacturing world. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that being said, there are still a lot of systems that, that definitely are correlatable and, and really should be. And I think, you know, a big part of it is just it's a different way of thinking. And that was one of the big things that I've learned that I can bring when coming here is, you know, there's, it's just a different mentality in the military. And, and you know, coming into, into into another company and having already seen these types of things, but in a different way, 
I get to bring a different perspective that I don't think has been seen before. So we're maybe some of the, the higher level leadership that that were not in the military, you know, are they are they looking at you like, hey, that's a really creative and new idea. Where'd you ever think of that before? Or, you know, what what is their response to some of the things that you're up to? Are they saying anything or are they just saying, hey, Paul, great job. Keep it up. No, I mean, I think I think there are a lot of people within within the companies and things like that that recognize those types of things. Now, I don't I don't think they necessarily attribute it straight to the military or anything like that. I think it's more they're very open to what's the best way of doing things. So we, we talk a lot about how do we drive behaviors, you know, so it's not just about the tool, but it's about what's the what's the behavior that the tool is driving. Um, yeah. So and that goes a lot towards towards what we did in the military. And you mentioned, you know, if you, you know, go back in time and thinking about it, paying more attention to mentors, what did you mean by that? I wasn't quite following exactly what you were saying. No, just I, I find myself, um, you know, in different scenarios, you know, currently thinking back to those people that I held in, in high regard as far as their leadership. And, mm-hmm. and now that I'm, I'm, I'm in more of a, uh, you know, I'm in a management position and things like that. And I think back to um, department heads and CEOs and XOs, and I think back to the decisions that they made and the way that they, you uh, know, communicated those and things like that. And, and I try to emulate that as much as possible. So I think it's more just, you know, maybe paying more, if I wish I would have paid more attention to the details on how they went about those types of things. Gotcha. Right. Cause now you're, you're, are you, are you in any formal or informal kind of mentor mentee relationships right now? Oh uh, yeah. So we have a couple of different mentoring programs now. Yeah. And is that, is that something that that you found uh, was that a program that was in in existence when you got there already and you just plugged into it or is that something that you're bringing with you from the military so i that was something they did have here and it's it's actually really connected well with my previous mentoring experience in in the military because it's a very very similar uh process of of hooking people up you know one-on-one and those types of things so you know like like i said it, it was already in existence but it it worked very well with our previous, my previous experience. And are you, are you mentoring someone or are you being mentored by someone or maybe both? Uh, so, I mean, I am mentoring uh, a couple of different people, but then also my plant manager, uh, you know, I consider him my mentor right now. It's not through the official mentoring channels. And so with your plant manager, when you're, when you're working with him or her and they're, you know, giving you advice, I mean, can you just, you know, I don't know, give us a little bit, let let us let us peek in a little bit into how your relationship is. Because the plant manager is that is that your boss? Is that your boss's boss? Who is that? Who is that to you? Uh, so my plant manager is my boss. You know, we, we we've gone through a, this this big process specifically in our plant around um, trying to make sure that as a leadership team that we are setting the principles and we're setting the direction that we want for our plant and and making a conscious decision of kind of setting that direction for the ship type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, on the floor, we've got certain behaviors that we want to drive, but how do we take that back and link it all the way back to those principles that we're trying to set forth and the direction that we're trying to set forth on in the plant um, as a leadership team? So, I, you know, on a daily basis, we're, you know, in communication about those types of types of things. All right, let me let me go back. I want to, I, I really want to just kind of follow the progression of your career thus far. So, I, you, you were in the lean engineering role for about a mm-hmm. year and a half, it looks like. Yep. Um, so the, the role that you transitioned into from the military, and then, it, and then it looks like you were promoted to technical team leader, and you did that for about a year and a half. So what was the, what was the technical team leader job? 
like? What what were your responsibilities? So in that role, I had a a team of engineers um, who were the process engineers for two of our uh, optical film lines. Um, so you know, on any given day, you know, if there were any type of troubleshooting issues on the line, we were responsible for responding. Anytime we had new products uh, coming in, uh, we were running the experiments. Um, you know, and my team basically, you know, anything that happened with the process, they were working hand in hand with either production operators or working hand in hand with uh, maintenance to to make sure that we were successful every day. Let's talk about career progression as it relates to succession. And so it sounds like if I if I interpreted what you just said, it sounds like you you were promoted into your boss's role as a technical team leader from the lean engineer. Maybe he or she went to go do something else. Is that right? No, so they weren't my my uh, direct boss. So at the time, I was reporting through our um, essentially a lean leader. I can't remember what exactly what our title was. So the technical team role was actually um, not not in my direct line or chain of command. Oh, gotcha. But how did, how did you move from being I don't mean just a lean engineer, but like an individual contributor as it relates to hey, I'm a lean engineer to now I'm the technical leader of lean engineers. How did how did that occur? So there was a couple of different things. So I think one of the biggest things was, um, you know, I tried as much as possible to, to hold myself um, to, a, to a level. So, so something I always learned in the military um, was, you know, you want to get that next job, you want to get that promotion, then one of the things you need to start doing is learning how to do your boss's job and, and helping them as much as possible. So in my lean role, I did, you know, a lot of you know, my lean work, but then I also did a lot of plant-wide work, um, still with a lean uh, uh I don't want to say flavor, but essentially with a lean flavor, but but things that needed to be done on a plant level. And in doing that, I got to work with a lot of different engineers. I got to work with a lot of different supervisors, understand a little bit better what their roles were, and do what I could to help them. Um, so in doing that, I had a better understanding of the business in general and, and try to make the most out of that position as possible. And then so then when, when the new role came up, um, you know, I think it was a little bit easier for people to, to see because I... I'd worked with all of them before, and, and I'd had a lot of experience putting together teams and things like that and working as a team to, to improve. You know, did you have that much autonomy as the lean engineer to be able to kind of not only focus in your lane, but really to kind of look outside and look across the, across the facility? Is that, is that how that played out? You just had some autonomy to, to work on other things? Yeah, so, I, you know, I really um, credit a lot of that with, with the people that I was reporting to at the time. They really did kind of give me that that freedom. So there were a few, you know, things that they would say, hey, this is, you know, as far as firefighting, they kind of saw me as I'm going to put you where I need, where I've got current issues to try to sort out those issues. But outside of that, um, a lot of what they expected of me was to come up with and, and determine what did I want to work on. So, you know, there were a lot of things where I, I did what they needed to do, but in doing so, I found bigger issues and things like that that I then went and talked to them and said, hey, I want to tackle this. I want to do this and kind of figure out what's the scope of it look like. And then, yeah, for the most part, I was given the autonomy to, to do those things and to work on those. Now, did you know, and, and one, of the, one of the big differences between the business world and the military is in the, in the military, you, you know, hey, I'm going to do this job for a certain amount of time, then I'm going to do that job for a certain amount of time, then I'm going to, you know, PCS and do this job, whatever it might be. But, you know, did you know when you came in as a lean engineer, all right, now I'm going to be a technical team leader, now I'm going to be an operations manager, like, how do, how are you sorting through that? Because you kind of said, hey, you know, if I if, if I want to progress, I need to figure out how to do my boss's job. So, you know, how are you managing that? Because I think that's an that's an expectation that that former military officers have to work through and fight through. Like, hey, I don't exactly know when and 
where I'm going to be promoted next. I just know I'm going to come in and do a great job and, and build a professional network. And that, you did exactly the right things. You build a professional network and you delivered high quality results. And in my mind, those are the two ingredients to moving along in an organization. You did exactly what I think is required. But how did you know that? Like, that, was someone telling you that? No, I think, and, and, and it's funny because um, I've been actually mentoring one of my one of my new supervisors, and, and it was a conversation we had just had where, um, you know, people sometimes get into that mindset of I got to check this box, I got to check this box, I got to check this box, and then I'll be able to go on to the next stage and, and those things. And that's not really the way I looked at it at all. You know, I had my five year, five year to ten year plan on where I thought I could, you know, achievably be. But my big thing was I was focused on what did I need to do to be successful. Um, what did I need to do to provide the most value to the company, you know, in my position and, and things like that. And, and in doing that, other opportunities that I didn't even foresee myself opened up. And, you know, if I were, you know, three years from now, if I was looking back saying, hey, I'd be, you know, operations manager, I, there's no way I would have thought that I would have been at this place. And, you know, I think the big thing is I, I focused on what do I need to do to be successful? Um, you know, am I providing the most value? And if, if not, what can I do to adjust? And by staying focused on those things and, and worrying about that, um, I think it opened up those opportunities. Now, this, that's great. This might be a hard question to answer, but my following question to what you just said is, you know, there, there's a little bit of a discomfort not knowing, like, exactly, you know, what's going to happen and how to, you know, how you're going to get there. But how did you, I mean, was it simply like, look, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, but. I know if I bring value to this organization, everything will take care of itself. And let me put my, you know, a phrase we use around here, let me put my head down and chop wood and, and, and good things will happen. Was it as simple as that, would you say? No, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was quite that simple. Um, you know, like I said, I, I did have my plan, right? I did kind of think, you know, five, ten years out, you know, if, if everything works out the way I think it would be where I'll end up being. Um, it's just that having that mentality of that constant focus on what can I do better? What can I be doing to be more successful um, is what allowed me to accelerate that beyond anywhere that I thought I could. That, that's such good advice. I'm just going to pull that out. And the question, what can I be doing to make the organization better? How can I bring more value to the organization? And I think, and my hope is that in the military, we inherently have that anyway. And I think a lot of people do, but, but there's usually so much more, um, you know, guardrails up, if you will, where, you know, you want to make the organization better, but it's also very, you know, very much structured where it sounds like in your situation, I'm sure there is structure. I mean, obviously your boss put you where he or she wanted you in order to put out fires and manage projects. I, I think what you did is, is something that I encourage a lot of people to do. And that is, you know, the onus on your development and the onus of your development is really on you and being able to identify, you know, hey, I want to, I want to I want to put my company first. I want to do the things that I can do to make my company better. It is is really one of the one of the ways that people find themselves creating value for the organization and doing so creating value for themselves in that they're creating a brand for themselves and it sounds like exact that's exactly what you did, which is a little bit of a departure from what's required in the navy or in the marine or in the military. You don't you don't have to be that way to be successful in the military. Do you? I mean, that, I guess that I better ask you that. I don't think that you do, but maybe your experience is different. No, so I, I don't. I don't think you do either. I think there, you know, there was one thing that was instilled in me in the military, though, was that that mentality of uh, ship shipmate self, right? You know, that's that's your priority, ship shipmate self. And I, I've kind of tried to take that as much as possible 
and brought it to, to, to where I go everywhere. So, so like I said here, it's, I, I think that same thing, right? So it's ship, shipmate stuff. So, you know, what can I be doing to make the, 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 the plant better, the company better? Um, and then, you know, what, what can I do to make these systems better, right? What, what can I do to make the process mm-hmm. better so that we don't have to rely on, on, you know, single time heroic issues and things like that. And then, and then, you know, if I do those things, then my career will advance. It's all about being a giver, right? I mean, if, if, if I were to define it or put a word on it, it's about being a giver, like giving. And, and, and you know, as Ron Willingham likes to talk about, there's this law of reciprocity. You give and, and you'll receive, right? So right. Um, I want to I talk about your move from technical team leader to operations manager because you're in a whole different part of the country. But before we go there, I want to say I want to I want you to educate me on one more thing. You know, you talked about very early in the conversation. You talked about um, manufacturing and you know you know being able to manage the existing lines and the existing process of work, but then also handling new things as they come in. And and I think that's a concept that a lot of people when they think about manufacturing, they don't really appreciate the experimentation and the trial and error because because the assumption is all of that happens in a laboratory um, and you know new things don't actually come out to the manufacturing floor but you know if you if thinking through it they have to come out to the floor because we have to see if we can produce them and and how efficient that might be etc so can you can you kind of enlighten me on you know the day-to-day you know here's staple products that we need to produce to to um, you know, fill orders for customers, and here are some other kind of experimental projects in manufacturing we're working on that you know might bloom into something you know like the next big thing kind of deal. Can you just, if I'm interpreting that right, can you uh, shed some light on that those two things for me? You know, definitely in my role as a, as a technical team leader, that was a constant um, balancing act. You know, you have the schedule that you need to maintain, and you're working with your with the the supply chain organization, and you're working with the production organization, and you have to be able to meet your customers' demands um, for the existing products. So you're you're you've got that, but you've only got a limited amount of time on the machine, and at the same time, you have to to balance kind of that future value of new products, and at the same time, you know, in order to do that, you're working with a completely different group, um, sometimes and most likely in this case, uh, outside of the plant. So you're trying to, you know, work with them, try to get, you know, things set up. Um, they're asking what's feasible, what's not feasible. And then when the day comes when you're actually running those experiments, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, in the lab may work just fine, and then you get here and, and they don't work. And now you're you're troubleshooting on a completely different level to try to understand because end of the day, if you can do it in the lab, you still need to be able to do it in the manufacturing floor in order to be able to get it out to the customer um, in, in any type of level that's, that, that's significant. Yeah, how would it work when you know, uh, an engineer or, or someone came with a, an idea and said, hey, we've been working this in a small batch in the laboratory, and and uh, now we want to kind of scale this to see how it would work, and you, and you guys scaled it, and, you know, you tried every which way, and it just wouldn't work. I mean, was that ever uh, an outcome? Yeah, we, we've definitely had those issues before, and, and, you know, one of the great things about that is when you're when that type of thing happens, it's really a combination of the team. So, so in this case, we have a, a corporate um uh, team that does a lot of the R&D type work in the lab, and then you would have the manufacturing team, which would be the engineers at the plant. And so, you know, they would come down, and we would work together. And so, we were constantly working together while they're in the plant on the actual uh, troubleshooting and things like that. If it wasn't able to work, but then even after the ru- the run was over, 
we're still in constant communication with them with, hey, you know, have we sorted through this information? You know, what are the different things, brainstorming, what can we do, what can we do differently? Um, you know, are there other different, you know, other resources that we could shift this product to that, that may have more success? So it's not just that, even when you're running that, that experimental product, you know, that time that you're running it is not the only time that you're dealing with it. Really, for weeks and, and really months beforehand and then weeks and months after, you're working hand-in-hand -hand with the different teams to try to make sure that it's successful as possible. And there's a whole process that you go through in order to be able to get to that point. What do you think the hardest thing for you, Paul, was um, in the transition and really in your first year working out of the Navy at 3M? Because we, we around here we talk a lot about that first year being – um, you know, being harder than most, you know, new industry, new company, new people, new processes, new location. I mean, practically new everything. So for you, what was what was one of the hardest things that you felt like uh, you had to overcome in that first year? Um, yeah, I, I would say a lot of it is trying to understand the structure. So in the military, and I think we all understood how the structure was. It's, it's a very, not that it's a necessarily hierarchical, but it, it's a very defined structure. But one of the biggest changes and the, one of the biggest things I had to understand was coming out in the corporate world, we had more of a matrices or, or a combination type organization. So trying to get used to that and try to understand how do all the different parts work together in order to come to, to, to be able to make the product that we need to make. Um, it, it's not like that, sh that straight, very strict, structured approach. The organization is very fluid. And it needs to be in order to be flexible and to be able to respond to customer demands and, and to be able to run uh, experiments and things like that. It's just it's a completely different environment. And so I guess that begs the question, how would you do it then? I mean, if it's, you know, you use the phrase, you use the phrase matrix, matrix teams. And so I, I sense a lot of cross-functional leadership and a lot of cross-functional interaction. How, how did you overcome? How, you know, how did you get there? So, um. You know, I think the, the first thing I did was before I left the military, I, I uh, earned my uh, project manager professional certification. And I think one of the things, you know, that helped me understand a lot of the terminology and things like that and be able to kind of relate it to my military experience um, just by doing that studying and, and working through that, that certification. So that when I got out, um, some of that, you know, that terminology wasn't quite as confusing and, and I, was, I was more ready to, to understand. I think the other part, too, is what you're talking about with the cross-functional um, leadership. You know, so so when I started my role as a lean engineer, and and I was allowed to look for those things that I wanted to work on, and then I would put together cross-functional teams and and try to lead those those different groups, and and not being afraid to say, hey, I I don't understand, or or hey, can you explain to me a little bit more about this? And I think that was one of the biggest things was to to, to not be afraid to say, hey, I'm I'm really not sure how this is supposed to work, or or what that organization is, or or how this plays into that, or any of those types of things, and to have that humility to just just admit it right from the beginning. And, you know, for the most part, that does two things. One, it helps me learn a lot faster um, what I needed to know, and two, it helped build that relationship with everyone. This book comes up so much in, 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 for some reason on this podcast, but really just in a lot of conversations. And there's a book called um, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lincioni, and he says that characters of ideal team player are you're hungry, you're humble, and you're smart. And I just think that when I hear the word humble and humility and people talking about using, you know, being humble and having humility in order to get things done. I just think that it's probably one of the, one of the most, if not the most important traits that you could have, especially making a transition. And, 
you know, coming out into a new environment and really trying to make make a make a go at it, so to speak. What do you think about that? No, I, I definitely agree. I think that's one of the the big defining um, attributes or features or things like that that you know I noticed in emerging leaders within my organization um, when I'm looking. Like I said, when I'm looking for new leaders, um, that's one of the things that, that always catches my eye. So tell us a little bit about you know the the move from technical team leader to operations manager. You were in Alabama, now you're up north in South Dakota. So so you know how did all that play out? What was that transition like? Definitely been a, a good transition, a difficult one. Um, so my organization grew significantly um, when I went from technical team leader to, to operations manager. Um, as well as, you know, I'm not so much focused on the engineering side now. I'm more focused on that day-to-day production. I'm still okay. supporting the experiments, but I don't have the engineers. Um, you know, now I have, I'm have i on the, the production side of that. So, you know, I think a big part of it is trying to understand and, and try to um, take the things that I learned in the military as far as, you know, large organizations, uh, setting directions and things like that, and be able to translate those into this so that I can set that, that direction um, for my supervisors and for my general supervisors and, and going forward for the entire organization. Did someone come to you and say, hey, Paul, we've got a, we've got a great opportunity for you? Or did you, how did you, how'd you even learn about the role? I mean, I, I, I heard about it from other people. Um, and then I just kind of said, hey, you know, I, I meet the general requirements. I meet the, the minimum requirements and I hit a lot of the preferred requirements. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot and, and see. So. Okay, so you're an operations manager. You're you direct you report directly to the plant manager. Does that mean you're the second in command, or can you can you give us the structure of where you sit on the hierarchy at your plant? Yeah, so it's actually um, so you've got the plant manager, and then you've got the uh, plant operating committee, which is basically all of the managers. So we're we're all kind of in a, in a group level. Uh, I, I wouldn't say you know it, it's we're all equal. I guess you would say as far as the managers go. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're managing, you know, if, is it is it um, production, the engineers, and then other supply chain folks? Is that is that kind of the three levels of ma- the three managers, or is there more? So we we have um, like a, a supply chain quality manager. We've got our, our value stream mm-hmm. managers who are the uh, who have the, the engineers and um, and the extended value stream, and then we've got um, you know the production manager. Who basically has all of the production operators, the supervisors, the general supervisors, as well as the uh, lean organization um, for the plant. And uh, what what does your day to day look like generally? What are you up to? Spending time on the floor, talking with the with the operators, talking with the supervisors. I think a big part of it is you know the tiers, trying to understand what's happened each day, um, where are opportunities. Um, but then other you know th- that's really the morning is trying to understand you know how did we do for the day, how did we do for the night, and and um, anywhere that we did have those gaps, um, are we addressing those gaps, and do we have plans in place? And then, you know, outside of that, it's it's more of the larger scale. You know, looking at projects, looking at um, you know directions that we're setting as an organization. Um, are we setting the the behaviors that we want to, and things like that? I, I think so. You know, like I said, making that transition, there is a lot of differences. There is a lot of things that are completely different from the military, and to kind of keep that open mind and fully understand the situation and and make sure that you really um, understand the processes in play and things like that. Um, you know, you, from the mil- you know, like I said, in the military, it's I, I know how to do this because this is how this is how we do it and that's how it is. Whereas, you know, going into a new a new setting, 
there are different ways of doing it and making sure you keep that, that open mind of what are those things and then, and then how do I take my part and add to it to make it better as a whole. That's great advice. Paul, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. I, it's just so helpful when people can come on and really shed some light on what they do and how they've been successful and what they're up to and career progression and how to take charge of your career. And I think your story is great. I think it'll be extremely helpful. And I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your busy day to uh, to share your experiences with us. Well, thank you. I'm glad to help.